This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other task that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too on demand. So it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All bills all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, welcome to another edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio here, WGR Sports Radio 550, Bill Sideline reporter, and Matt Bove from Channel 7 WKBW-TV in Buffalo, the sports director there. Matt, good to talk to you as always. Man, it, it seems like yesterday we just did our first episode, but here we are a few episodes in, and I'm having a blast already. We've getting, we're getting good feedback from people, and we appreciate everybody downloading and listening. Yeah, absolutely. It has gone by fast. It does feel like we just started, and it feels like this episode is the perfect time to bring in our first ever guest, and we have a very special one joining us, Eric Wood, everybody. Eric, thanks for joining it's my pleasure and what an honor it is to be the first <laughs> guest. And I can't wait to tune in weekly. I, I've said many times that part of my preparation throughout the week, because I have to do the round table with Chris and Sal before the game, and they will make a fool of me if I come on and I'm not fully prepped on all the ins and outs. And I want to know what the people in Buffalo in particular are saying, because I could read all the national headlines, but that might not reflect exactly what's going on each and every week within the media, within the season or within the city. So a lot of what I do to prep for uh, the games each week is listen to podcasts around the bills and working out. So this one will definitely get in the rotation, especially once the season starts. Yeah, Are, that's you, a cool. po- are you a podcast guy when you work out? You said I am, I, I I'm big on habit stacking. So like if I'm getting a workout in and I want to knock out an audiobook or a podcast to me, I just feel like that's a great use of my time. I could probably work out a little bit harder if I was listening to music <laughs> or a little bit something more upbeat. But uh, what's more inspirational than listening to Matt and Sal? And you know what? I, I do the same thing when I'm mowing the lawn. I, I have a choice to make. Do I want to put some music on or do I want to listen to something? And I listen to podcasts while I'm mowing the lawn a lot or things like that as well. I can't really do it as much when I'm working out. I got to have some music. Got to get some Iron Maiden or Motley Crue going there, Eric. That's what I need. Now, and if you do, if you do listen to music, what is your the music you listen to when you work out? So I'm generally an early morning workout guy, and um, and I can't believe I'm saying this, not uh, that I'm ashamed in any way, just at this point in my life, we listen to a lot of Christian music in our house, and so those get catchy um, in, in our house and, and catchy tunes for me. Um, if I need to get going, there's like on Spotify or Apple music or Amazon music, there's like a hip hop workout mix I might listen to, which will remind me of the old days playing, but in general, I'm a country music guy. Oh, country music. So the one time podcasts are not on the constant playlist. 
for me or on the golf course because that's country music strictly or a little bit of yacht rock. Sometimes that's okay on the on the golf cart as well, but yeah. a country playlist is nice. And then if I have to mix it up, so I'm the same way on the golf course, but if you get a bad string of holes, I'm flipping it instantly to like Bob Seger radio, the Eagles or something like that, just to flip it all up. And by the way, two great segues here. Eric, you brought up Spotify, iTunes. That's where we are. You can find us all over every podcast platform. So thanks a lot to everybody who's found us so far and everybody who's looking to find us. That's where you can do that. And you can subscribe to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. And bam, it's right there on your playlist and it's going to be downloaded. Also, Matt just brought up golf. We're going to talk about golf in a couple of different ways here because Eric's got a couple events going on. I know one that we're actually going to be a part of going on in Batavia. We want to talk with them, him about that. Before we do it, though, we got a chance, Matt and I did, to golf with several Buffalo Bills front office members, uh, coaches, head coach Sean McDermott, and even players this year. Now, Eric, the Bills media golf outing started in 2017. I know you were still on the team, but players didn't play back then. Now, players play. It was cool. Our buddy Josh Reed of WIVB got to play with Josh Allen in his force. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> hey, Kevin Kearns puts the pairings together. There was like, I counted like 10 players that showed up to play. I got paired with Brandon Bean, got to play with him, PR man, Derek Boyko, Mark Gaughan of the Buffalo News. Matt, who did you play with? So I played with Terrence Gray, and then I played with Curtis Rucavina. So two guys who are members of the front office. Terrence just got his promotion earlier in the yeah. week. Now he's the director of player personnel. Great guys. We had a ton of fun. And then also Thad Brown from down in Rochester. They keep putting Thad and I together because <laughs> one year one year we won it. So now they always put us together because they're like, oh, you need to defend your title. And, you know, I'm really not concerned about defending my title. I'm more concerned about the country music on the cart and having a good time. <laughs> okay, so I got I got to ask this. And if you guys need to not say either way, that's fine. Yep. This is like a beer drinking event as well. Sure. Yep. It's, there's there's oh. a cart. There's a cart. There's alcohol. There's plenty of alcohol okay. consumed around the course. Yes. Let's just say hey, I make not that I I generally don't drink when I play, but if it's some type of scramble like that or it's some type of outing, I'll, I'll partake. That makes it more appealing to try and make the media tournament next year. Did Murph play in it? Murph no Murph. play. He has played before in this tournament. He did not okay. play this year. Um. By the way, it's not just. I mean, yeah. There's a cart. There's alcohol. I don't normally don't drink much at all. I certainly don't drink very much when I play. I actually did a little bit. I'm more, I'm not a really a beer guy. I drank a seltzer. I think I like a white claw on there, but there was That's some birdie was juice. Say. There was some birdie juice going around too when people got some birdies. So it was a great event, Eric. And I got a chance to play with Brandon Bean. You have played with Brandon Bean. Now I have never now, Eric, this is a shameless thing for me to say, because I want you to invite me to play with you. I've never played 18 holes with you. We have to play 18 holes because as of now, I will tell you, Brandon Bean is the best golfer I've ever played 18 holes with. He is a very good golfer and he's actually a better golfer than me. The way the handicap system set up. The only time we've played 18 holes, I played him at his home course of Craigburn mm -hmm. and beat him. I don't know if he mm -hmm. mentioned that to you throughout the 18. It was me, Brandon Bean, Joe Shane, and Josh Allen. One of those moments like wow. how did the radio guy get invited to this group. <laughs> stop it. Oh, uh, stop it. <laughs> but Josh has gotten so much better since then. That was a few years ago, but he reverted back to some old tendencies in the match with some big sprays, right? Which I, it seemed like he had taken a lot of that out of his game, but I talked to him about the match and he was like, bro, I was so nervous to even put the ball on the tee. Like my hand was shaking that when I hit the first ball and it went right. And I thought like kind of feel wise, it may go left. He's like, then I just knew I was done. 
Yeah, he actually talked about that yesterday as well because everybody was asking him, like, how did you go from playing in the match on national television to playing with us at Diamond Hawk a week later? And he was just talking about how nervous he was. And he was saying, and it makes a lot of sense for anybody who's a golfer, when you get nervous like that, your swing gets a little faster and it gets a little bit more compact. And that's why he was leaving the club face open and everything was spraying to the right. And then when he got to the course yesterday, I was right on the range as he was warming up, like basically two spots over. and. My gosh, can that guy just hit? And I'm assuming Eric can as well, but he can just pound the ball. It looks different coming off of his club than it does looking off of coming off of minor sales. I can say that for sure. Yeah, I I can't hit it as far as Josh. I'm not a I can hit it pretty far, but I'm not a bomber per se. I will say this. I was playing at the Bears Club with Nick O'Leary, Jack Nicholas grandson. I was playing at Jack's course not too long ago. And that's where a ton of pros will practice. And me and a buddy of mine, who's a really good player, they asked us to go back to hit with the pros because they thought we were too long on the spot that we were out of the range, which was like, so the other two guys in our foursome, we just gave them so much crap about that. Like, <laughs> oh, you didn't get invited to go back with Daniel Berger and Luke Donald and, and the rest of the guys. Like, we, uh, we get it. Brandon Bean can bomb it too. Boy, he is long off the tee. He's accurate. As you said, He's very, very good. So he is, he's, I'd say the best I've ever played with for 18 holes, but Matt Bove, don't tell yourself short. You're a very, very good golfer. Brian Colesio from WGR. You guys are two of the best that I, I think in the media that I've played with. We had a really good time for me, Eric, I've been playing really well lately. Like I went to, I play, I, I mean, I shot a 93 at Oak Hill, like trying to get out of the bunker five times. It would have been in the eighties, I think. So I was felt pretty good. And I've been pretty much in the 80s, but I didn't have my best day. And I do think it was because, going back to what you said about Josh, I'm playing with the GM of the Bills, man. The adrenaline is pumping, right? I mean, like, not only is he the GM of the Bills, the team I cover, and I grew up rooting for, and oh my gosh, I'm with the GM, but he's also really good and he's really competitive. So I think that my short game, I was thinning things because I'm swinging too hard, and that can happen in that game. I think that's what happened to me. Yeah, and and I get that. And what I've learned over the years, playing – golf in front of some crowds, nothing like the match, some crowds, some decent cash games and whatnot is once you play in enough high pressure situations, you get to, you understand that there's like a a go-to shot for you, like off the tee. Like I know if I have a pressure packed iron shot, I'm moving the ball back in my stance, I'm closing the face and I'm going to rip a draw. And I know the ball's going to go a little bit left. You know, how far left is, is up You know, I can't guarantee it, but I can aim at the right side of the green. It's going to move to the left. And that just comes with, I guess, probably playing in enough cash games over the years. Do you have a favorite golf match or game that you've played as a part of? Man, that's a great question. And I say this, and this is going to sound pretty snooty, but over the last two years, you guys remember Clark MacArthur who played for the Sabres? Absolutely. So we were kind of buddies when he was in Buffalo. We've connected over the years since. And he plays golf four times a week with Michael Jordan. So twice (laughs) I've gotten to play. Now I've I've played in an eight-man group and a 12-man group with Jordan. So I'm not playing with him the entire time. But this January I played in a group with Clark, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, amongst others. And so that was pretty special. (laughs) Oh, my God. The goats. I mean, you're you're right there. That's incredible. And Clark hit a hole in one. What? While you were there with him. In front of Wayne Gretzky, like his idol. And then Holy Michael cow. Jordan. Michael Jordan's like ho-hum nowadays because that's like his best friend. Matt, that's... you got a hole-in-one last year. 
Yeah, Olympia Field, Chicago. Actually, my buddy plays in the now he's in the Flyers organization, but he grew up in Wheatfield with me. So that was my first time playing his course the day before his wedding. And it was wow. my first hole in one. And it was amazing because all weekend, all of his buddies and all of his family wanted to talk about the hole in one. They did not want to talk about the wedding. And it was cool because like Olympia Fields is very like that's a US Open course. That's a BMW championship. So like very legit. It's like Oak Hill, but in Chicago, basically. So it was cool. And it was also downwind. So they give you like this big plaque. So it looks like I'm like pretty legit because I think it was it was an eight iron. Wow. A hundred in 71 yards and like that's like a pretty decent eight iron for like a mortal not a professional athlete (laughs) no doubt that's yeah that's strong well done so so that was cool thanks yeah i'll tell you well so to to put a bow on this part of it i have played with a better golfer than brandon bean just not a full 18 holes when i was coaching high school football in florida the golf coach at the high school was a friend of mine his name is doug dunnicky guys he is one of the only people to ever shoot a 59 in a pro event Wow. He shot a 59 and I play, he's incredible. And you watch these guys, like his irons off the tee are farther than almost all of our drivers. Right. I mean, it's incredible. And um, he told me the story when he did it at, I think it was in Cleveland. He was playing um, maybe Milwaukee, but it was on the Nike, the Nike tour, which you like would be the, the one right below, right? They, mm-hmm. um, what do they call that now, Matt? What's that? Corn fairy. Thank you. It was on that, but it still counts to 59. He's listed. He was putting for 57. And he said that the crowd was coming out. They were watching him. And I said, so what, you get nervous? He said, no, believe it or not. My mind started thinking about sponsorships, Heinz 57, 57 Chevy. He said, and I just basically got a little cocky and I went past the hole a little farther and had to hit one, had another one coming back. Uh, 59, 59. Amazing. Pretty good. Amazing. Amazing. Um, All right. So yes, at the golf tournament, um, the bills outing, does this, surprise you when I tell you now, I know you don't know these guys necessarily as well as you did when you played Eric, Eric Wood joining us, former bill center and the color analyst on the radio broadcast. But we were told that, um, Jake Kumaro pulled out a fishing rod in the middle of the round to start fishing in the pond. I, I, I did see that on social media. <laughs> Does that surprise you that someone like that would do so that? I don't, I don't know Jake super well. I will say this. And I don't think I'm breaking any headlines and this wasn't a media portion of practice, but I never right. feel bad like talking a player up. Right. Jake Kumaro looked so good at Bill's practice. And every time I watch him in warmups, like he's got a suddenness about him for like a bigger receiver. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see. And I know two seasons ago, he got a little bit of opportunity, but I, I'm interested to see if he ever got a run. Like if he could do something, I know he's an asset on special teams and all that, but um, he looked really good at practice. I think that speaks to just how good the team has gotten and how deep the team has gotten too, right. because five, six, seven years ago, Jay Kumaro was probably getting a heck of a lot more snaps than he's right. getting now. Basically last year when Jay Kumaro ran onto the field, you're like, all right, well, the bills are running at this play. And then he really didn't get that run. I know he had the touchdown against Denver a couple of years ago, but he's a preseason darling. Every time he gets onto the field in a preseason game, he seems to make a big play. Right. No doubt about it. The other two real quick things that happened were um, Dawson Knox hit a deer. He didn't mean to. Thankfully, the deer is okay. <laughs> yes, it drilled a deer in the side. The deer is okay. It ran into the woods. They didn't see it, and it, it hit the deer as it was coming across. And then to talk about Josh Allen in this setting, I'm standing there in the parking lot, essentially, where, the, where you do the carts, and I'm talking with Brandon Bean. Josh Allen rolls up, tossed one of those like rubber snakes like you find in the store. Like I guess they had this rubber snake they were playing pranks on, 
and got me. And I, it scared the living heck out of me. And then the rest of the evening, he was telling people, I got sell with the snake. So now I got a story that the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, the superstar, pranked me with a rubber snake, Eric. That's pretty cool. That's good stuff. That's good, clean fun right there. We keep a rubber snake in my regular game. We play this game where every time someone three putts, yes, but it goes up five bucks. And at the end, you pay out everybody. If you have the final three putt of the day, it's a snake game. So we'll get people with the snake if, if they're holding it at that time. And uh, yeah, I've definitely played the snake game. All right. We didn't bring Eric on necessarily to talk about golf. We will get to what he's got going on, but we wanted to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove here with Eric Wood, former Bills center, a guy who snapped the ball to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So beloved in Buffalo, Eric, and he announced his retirement. I know you're one of his good buddies. There's so many stories to share, but did you know? Did you know he was going to retire? You are a very good friend of his. How did you find out? When did you know? Yeah, I've, I've known for a couple months now, and honestly, we had discussions about, hey, if I am going to hang it up, what do you suggest next? A lot of well, the work I've done a lot with my podcast has been on transition. And so um, I'm someone he confided in. I kept it a secret. I didn't want to tell anybody, you know, it, it's, it's one of those deals where I'd say, okay, so you're, you're done, done. And he's like, well, 98%. I'm like, well, that's, that's not done, done. So let's, you know, let's wait and don't necessarily tell anybody and all that. But that being said, um, for the last, and he, he mentioned this in some media appearances, after the 2015 or 2016 Jet season, he contemplated retirement that year. And he said, you know, I kind of lost the love of the game at that point. I didn't play very well. I was miserable in the Jets organization at the time. He got back that love of the game over the next few years. And what we would always talk about in the offseason, he's like, look, it was different. It's different if it's me and Liza making the decision. But my oldest two boys, they love the fact that I play pro football and they're not against moving again. It's just what they've always known. So he's like, when Brady and Tater say, no, dad, let's do it one more time. We're having so much fun. He's like, then it becomes even harder. But we started talking a lot about this, you know, around the time of the injury as the season went on. I was constantly checking on him with the hip. I was hoping he could come back from that. Right. You know, I, I told the story about how Washington was the first team to fly him up private for a team visit. And when they called Fitz originally, they said, hey, you know, what time do you want to leave? He told him about what time he could make it work. And he said, you know, if I could just get priority boarding, he was going out of Tampa. So a lot of Southwest flights, he said, if you could just give me priority boarding, that's fine. And they're like, no, 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 you're going to the private airfield. And he's like, for the first time, I feel like a legitimate quarterback in an organization is bringing me in to be the starter. They don't have plans to draft someone immediately. Like this could be my squad with the number one defense in the NFL in 2020. And to see that come crashing down, 13 plays in the season last year was 
a heartbreaker for me, obviously a heartbreaker for him. I remember calling the game for the Bills, and we're kind of watching during TV timeouts, and me and Sal are talking about it. And Murph's got to kind of clear his head. He's got to do play-by-play. Me and Sal have a majority of the conversations, especially on some around-the-league talk. Mm-hmm. And when Fitz was able to walk off the field but not come back in the game, I knew something was wrong because that dude will play through anything. And if he got carted off, then, you know, I was thinking maybe ankle, knee, you could come back from something like that. The fact that he walked off, I just I just thought, man, something's really wrong here. So as he continued to, you know, like rehab and contemplate what his future meant, I did see him in an interview with Trey Wingo talk about how he didn't want to be coming back to Buffalo because he loves watching Josh Allen so much. But having the relationship you have with him and then obviously having the relationship with the organization, was that something that was like thrown around for a little bit? Was that something that was actually real? Because I know a lot of fans were gung ho on like, oh, bring back Fitz. Let him get a chance at winning a Super Bowl, and he can just kind of watch from the side and continue to let Josh develop. It seems like that was kind of legit. There may have been some legitimacy there. I, I try to stay out. Like, I don't even like asking Fitz questions about team-specific stuff. I will say he would love to come back to Buffalo. And, he, I mean, Fitz would do anything to go back and live in Lakeview for another <laughs> season and get back around all of his boys. But um, – at this point, Fitz wanted to compete. Like if he was going to sit around and be a backup and just hold a clipboard, he's such a competitor. In his mind, I believe he just figured, man, I'd rather just go spend time with my family if I'm not out on the field competing each and every week. How cool would it be if he um, were to come back and sign a one-day contract? I know people want it to happen. He said he's, you know, he's open to it, I think, in some way, shape, or form. And Brandon Bean even said that they wouldn't close the door on something like that. So – I hate to break people's hearts, but I don't believe that's going to happen. I've, I've played middleman for that negotiation. He was extremely, extremely honored that the Bills felt that way. But he has so many special relationships with so many other organizations. He didn't want to slight anyone else. And look, that's not a slight to the Bills either. He was mm-hmm. the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, a bitter division rival. And he said the Bills had the best fan ah. base in the NFL. <laughs> so that's not a slight on the Bills either. And he constantly talks about how special Buffalo was to him. But I don't believe he's going to come back and sign a one. So you're, I just want to be clear here. If, if it doesn't happen, it's not because the Bills don't want it to happen. Correct. Okay. Just want to make sure on that because I know there's been talk and the fans would like it. Go ahead, Matt. Eric, when Ryan first announced his retirement, Sal and I, we had a podcast come out, I believe the next day, and we were going through some of our favorite memories and Sal brought up the roast, the WGR roast. I brought up, because this was like pre me being in the media. I brought up those two weeks at the beginning of the 2011 season, the Raiders game. And I brought up the Patriots game because those are, you know, unbelievable. And I know you've probably had a lot of time to reflect on this since he announced his retirement, but do you have a favorite Fitz memory, whether that's on or off the field? And I do probably have to say a favorite Fitz memory that you can share. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because I'll always reference like all this, childish humor off the field but nothing's ever inappropriate with Fitz you know he's married with seven kids and so (laughs) we would like at one time we were talking about yeah and then we got wings and you know all the shenanigans and I was like well the shenanigans were we were playing pool at dandelions drinking pitchers (laughs) of beer like the shenanigans that might not be what uh, most NFL fans think the shenanigans were amongst our group but I I did we, we rattled off a lot of 
for them on the podcast I just did with Fitz on my podcast, What's Next with Eric Wood. And I told him, I said, I feel like I'm prepping for a best man speech where you have so much material on your best friend, but you've got to fit it all in in a timely fashion. Um, oh God, I, I'm, uh, as I looked on, the la- on this list, I'm <laughs> laughing to myself again. One time we were at the Chop House for a big uh, foundation dinner. There's probably 40 of us, and Eric Pierce had a newborn. Well, Fitz is just a child. And um, so we're throwing dinner rolls at people and trying to hit them, but then we're acting like it wasn't us. And Fitz hit Eric Pierce newborn with a buttered dinner roll. So the baby's got butter on his face, and uh, Pierce's wife is obviously just sick off. Pierce laughed about it, but he hit – Pierce child with a dinner <laughs> roll. Um, for my bachelor party in Vegas, Fitz couldn't get a good enough flight. He couldn't get a flight that worked well for him and his three buddies that I invited because I was buddies with them eventually too. And so they drove the RV from Arizona to Vegas. And they thought it was going to be like three or four hours, but whoever was driving, the, they hired someone to drive the RV that was driving it obnoxiously slow. So they drank beer for seven and a half hours before getting – to my bachelor party. And so oh my God. for himself, he pretty much ruined the first time. I'm like, well, thanks for coming Fitz. And then another off the field story in whenever the Super Bowl was in Arizona, the last time around waste management and all that, me and Fitz assembled two, we called them Ryder cup teams, but it wasn't a specific Ryder cup event. So we each had to have bring three guests all in matching uniforms the first format was two-man scrambles, so we played as an eight-some with a cart girl dedicated to our group. You could take a mulligan anytime you wanted, but she had to come over and pour you a shot of fireball. Not like, oh, wow. I'm going to do a fireball shot, you know, and you just swig the bottle a touch, or you do it after the shot. You could take a mulligan anytime you wanted. Me and Kyle Rudolph won that day of the event, 18 holes, but on the front nine, we took seven mulligans apiece. So we went, <laughs> but we did end up winning. That's wow. incredible. The buttered roll story is an elite, <laughs> an elite story. That's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, and you then, know, go ahead. And then I'll tease this one and you got to go to my podcast. All right. It's a little bit longer of a story, but on the topic of golf, me and Fitz went to the 2018 masters together and Fitz had a fart hurt around the world, but just because I'm so much bigger, he blamed it on me. Like 16th green crunch time Sunday, second last group of the day. Everyone's chasing Patrick Reed dead silent. I mean, I, I go into a lot more detail on the podcast, but I mean, that's just fits. I mean, he's an absolute riot. What's next it? with Eric Wood? That's the podcast. So everybody knows you got to go listen to this. Yeah, for sure. Eric, was it instant? Like from the minute you guys became teammates, you're like, all right, this is going to be my guy. He's going to be my boy. Or did it just kind of continue to like, obviously it developed over the years as you became better friends. But was it like this guy came right away and everybody loved him? Yes and no. So when he came in, he was Trent Edwards backup Mm -hmm. and Trent was the guy. And so Fitz, Trent Edwards got hurt in 2008, but the Bills were what? Five and one at the time. Something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, Trent got hurt in Arizona. That's right. So when Trent came back for the following season, everyone's like, well, this is Trent's team. This is Trent's team. So Fitz was the backup. Me and Fitz connected immediately, but it wasn't his team. You know, he's not going to step at that time. He wasn't going to step on anybody's toes either. And so we had a great relationship. But like that, when 
through 2010, especially when I was the full time, when I became the full time center, he was the full time starter quarterback through 2011. Those were some special times and, and we stayed in touch. But once he got older and, you know, kind of got his, when he finally let his personality out and realized, like, man, I can, me being kind of a goofball unites a team. That's when, that's when, everybody in an organization started to love him. Then he started opening up with the media more. Mm-hmm. And that's when uh, he really took off on a national scale. And, you know, he does that Deshaun Jackson outfit change. And we talked about this on the first time he came on my podcast. So for some reason, people see me as a voice of reason. Like Richie would always kind of be this. Well, Fitz, before he goes to the press conference, he goes, should I do it? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And it, you know, there can be that could be misconstrued. Sure. I'm mm-hmm. making fun of a black teammate. I'm making yeah. fun of the urban culture. But I knew Fitz and I knew that it wouldn't be portrayed that way. So he's like, should I do it? I'm like, go just own it. And then <laughs> it just blows up out of control. We always say what happens at the roast stays at the roast, but there is video evidence of what happened at the roast. I'm not going to point anybody in any direction, but if you want to see anything from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Eric, we got a couple minutes left with you because we want to promote a couple things you have going on for good causes. But before I do that, on Fitz, just to put a, a wrap on him, you tell all these great stories. He's a great personality. The fans see that. What You know him way better than I do, but from what I know of him and meeting him through you a couple times as well, the other thing I'll say about him that people need to know, he is such a competitor. And I yes. think that, to me, that is a big reason why his teammates loved him so much. Yes, the personality and getting to know people and building those relationships. But he would do anything to win a football game, and he wore his emotions on his face and on his sleeve. No doubt about it. And a a very capable thrower. Yeah. And pretty fast. 18th most rushing yards for a quarterback in NFL history. Amazing. Yeah. And so a pretty talented player as well. Extremely smart. So valuable to have in a room uh, throughout the week, game planning. And then I think what made Fitz such an incredible leader was two things. One, he had no ego at all. And, and you can say, you know, Josh has no ego. or and, and Fitz even talked about on my podcast a lot of characteristics of Josh. And he's like, I think you're the one who told me that Josh Allen is you, but with talent and size. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't think I said it. I maybe did at some point. But he has no ego, which is, which is rare you know, amongst anybody in the world, but he has no ego at all. And then he, he's a relationship guy yeah. and not just with the O-lineman. Yes. He'll build relationships with the O-lineman, but he will build relationships with every single person on the team. And that's where you see like a Devonte Parker who was falling out a little bit in Miami Fitz comes in, gets him to play super hard. Preston Williams was down there at the same time. Mike Isecki, these guys start playing to a new level because Fitz builds their confidence. He builds a relationship with them. I mean, I've seen him in the huddle say, Stevie, this ball's coming to you. Just get open. Like that gives a receiver confidence. You run your route a little bit different. You take a different approach when you know a quarterback has that kind of trust in you. You, Is he going to be good on TV? He will be. I'm hoping he continues to let his personality, like he will be a great analyst. Yeah. He has the potential to be a rock star analyst and personality. It just... I got to see what he's like on TV. Right. Don't hold back. Right. Exactly. He's he's and they have to give him some leeway because his humor is his quick wittedness. So it can't be these 
defined segments. Hey, mm-hmm. make an opinion here. We're going to move on. Like if there's some give and take with Fitz, you're going to appreciate him. The more authentic that he is, and we know him to be that way, people are going to eat it up. People are going to love him. He's going to be great at it. He absolutely will. And then, Eric, we did want to ask you, so you've got a lot of stuff coming up. Tell us every, tell everybody about the golf tournament and just kind of what else is going on. Yeah, I appreciate that. So on June 23rd, the B&L golf tournament is going to go on at Terry Hills. And so we'll be playing in it. Sal's going to MC. Matt's going to be there. Matt's going to be, Matt's going to be with me. There's going to be a bunch of people out there, which is Mm -hmm. excellent because over the last couple of years, I haven't been able to make it, but I'll say this about B&L, a, a Buffalo based company. They have been so generous with, with what is now the Evan Wood fund and on honor. My little brother was the Eric Wood foundation, but they have been so generous to us, especially since COVID hit where we weren't able to have events, which are our main generators. And, you know, last year we provide Christmas for every family in the hospital that needed special assistance. Well, that's a big blow. If I got to come out of pocket for all that, or if they don't get it. And so BNL has stepped up each and every year of the last few years. So I'm so excited uh, to go back and spend time with them that day. Honored that Sal is going to MC it because he'll do a much better job than I would have done. I am honored to be a part of it. I was asked by you and Andy Lashua of Children's Hospital to be the MC. And I said, hey, let's uh, let's bring some media people up and really promote this thing. So it's me, Matt, Josh Reed of Channel 4, and John Scott of Spectrum in a foursome coming up. We're going to be playing in that golf tournament to raise some money for the Evan Wood Fund. We're going we're gonna to have so much fun. Dinner afterwards, the silent auction, those proceeds go to the Evan Wood Fund. It's going to be such a great time, Eric, and I'm really honored to to be a part of this. And I've done some stuff with you and your charitable foundations. But you that's not the only thing you got going on. What else you got going on either this summer or beyond? Yeah. So, um, you know, in the summertime, I try and spend as much time as I can. I I like to play golf. Don't get me wrong. Now I'm into pickleball as well, but I do that early in the morning. Pickleball is incredible. Let's go. uh, I love that. Fastest growing sport in America. But uh, so, you know, I I have my hobbies as well. But this weekend we're going down to the lake with some friends and we're going to take a Florida trip this summer. I'm super excited about the Bills opener out in L.A. because a buddy of mine with State Farm had invited us to go to Disneyland that week through a State Farm deal. So we'll be out there with the whole family. We'll hit Disneyland. And um, I got some Buffalo trips. Jim Kelly's golf tournaments in early August. The schedule's getting just tighter and tighter, but a lot of fun stuff going on in the summertime. And it feels like each and every year, and especially coming out of COVID, uh, each and every year gets better than the last one. Well, pickleball, Matt. pickleball for everybody who doesn't know is legit. So okay. I'm actually in my dining room right now. And about 50 yards to my left is a park that has two pickleball courts. And nice. we moved wow. into the house. I was like, okay, I've heard of pickleball, but I don't really know anything about it. And then when COVID hit, everybody was still social distancing. Nobody really knew what they could and couldn't do. So I'd have seven buddies come over every weekend at like 8 a.m. And we would just play round robin pickleball tournaments nonstop. And it is very, it's very fun. It's a nice time. And everyone's like, well, it's an old person sport. I've seen it in like retirement villages. I'm like, (laughs) yes. But like our winner group is a pro base, current pro baseball player, me, two former college tennis players, some pretty good athletes. I'm burning more calories in, uh, according to my Apple watch in 90 minutes than I am at an hour long high intensity interval training class at the gym. And so I'd rather go out and compete on a pickleball court. 
So everybody who doesn't know the area right in front of the net is called the kitchen. And based off of Eric's size, and I'm sure his skill set, he must be an absolute <laughs> unit at the kitchen. So I, I'm pretty good in the kitchen, but I, I feel like I've gotten a, like everyone assumes I'm big. I can smash a golf ball. And, and I do have great reach on a pickleball court around yeah. the kitchen. But in my game, I do have some power aspects to the game, but I've just got the ball slammed back on me so many times trying to play that power game that I've learned to cut the ball and to play the finesse shot and all that. But the kitchen is generally my strength. And Sal, you are, so, go ahead. Sal, it's all about the dinking, man. I remember pickleball playing a little bit in high school, actually, a long time ago before it ever got really big. And Eric, you are on the radio broadcast again this year. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's going to be awesome being with you again. And, you know, it's just awesome that I get to say I do games with Eric Wood, you know, but I'm really looking forward to that again this year. Well, the feelings are mutual. And I always had so much respect for you and Murph. And the fact that I get to call games with you guys is, is so much fun. I did the ESPN and Fox deal alongside of it. And now... I've, I've decided that the Bills gig, although it is a job, it's fun, it's fulfilling. I enjoy not rushing in for the games last second from a college broadcast and just kind of getting engulfed myself in the, in the Bills broadcast each and every week. So looking forward to it again. The Bills being awesome also helps. I yes, always feel like of course. You know, the Bills being so good definitely helps the broadcast. I feel so sorry for uh, Kelso and Murph and, and you over the years trying to call our games when when – I mean, I didn't have a week, a meaningless week 17 game or a meaningful week 17 game till my final year. I mean, that's amazing, that's, right? I know. But now, now, you, now you get that chance. And by the way, Yana and Max are also going to LA. They're coming out early. We're all going to be there. So we'll definitely need to hook up. We could talk about that a little bit later. Tell Leslie, we're sorry for keeping you so late today, but you're always so generous with your time. The um, golf tournament is on June 23rd up at Terry Hills. People can check that out if they want more information. It's the BNL, uh, it's the BNL golf tournament, Children's Oshai Children's Hospital, the Evan Wood Foundation. Eric, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, my, yeah, my pleasure. And, and I truly appreciate you guys thinking of me to be the first guest on the pod. And there he is, the first guest on the pod. Eric, we're going to let you go, and we're going to wrap things up here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you, Eric. All right, Matt. Well, the other, um, about a week ago, I asked on Twitter, at Sal Sports on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Bove, right? I want to make sure I get that right. I want yep. to say it right. Underscore Bove. And I never got to this. It was basically asking our listeners if they had any questions for us that we could use on the program, on the, the podcast. And I didn't get to it at that time, but still very relevant, especially considering that Eric was just on. One of the best questions I got comes to us from Let, Let's Go Bills from uh, uh, Jay Kazmierczak, I think is how we might say the name. So Jay, I think it's, I don't know if it's Jeff or Jay or what, it's, it's a letter J. He says, I'm curious to find out what Bills fans hold more valuable for Wall of Fame candidates. Is it more about the stats and wins as a bill, or could it be more of what they did for the franchise while they were here? Like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Stevie Johnson, Aaron Schobel. I think this is a fantastic question and debate. Ooh, yeah. Well, I actually, it's funny because this debate was had in one of my group messages where we just kind of talk about everything that was going on. And somebody just flat out asked, is Ryan Fitzpatrick a wall of famer? Now there's a couple of like different layers to this one. They are building a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills to play in. I don't know what it's going to look like. Does the wall transfer over? Do they put the names somehow in? Right. Is there a different area for it? And then you have all the conversation about the community impact, the fan favorite, all that stuff, and then the strictly 
on-field stuff, for as great as Ryan Fitzpatrick was, I said no. I don't know if you feel the same way. I just think the sample size was a little too small, specifically with him. I think the way the Wall of Fame has been constructed up to this point is more about on-field success than about all of the other stuff. Yeah, look, I'm more of the mind, though, than you, I think, of it is not a – it's the Wall of Fame. What's the word fame mean? It doesn't mean – it's, it's famous. It's fame. It's, it's how you got there. You can be famous, not necessarily for having the best stats. So I do think there's a lot of space for that. You don't have to be the most productive bill of all time, for sure. There are people on there who I think could have the case of, well, you know, they don't, they weren't really the, the, the greatest as far as production, but I think because of what they meant to the organization, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, like a Fred Jackson, but I agree with you that Fitz was only here four years. That's the tough case to make, even how beloved he is. Do you have a player, because this is a question that gets asked a lot, whether it's to us or whether it's just people sitting at a bar having the conversation themselves. Is there one or two players that are not on the wall right now that you think are definitely deserving of being up there? Eric Moulds. He's the one that comes to mind, number one for me. It's probably him one and Kyle Williams two for me. Ruben Brown is right there, man. Ruben Brown is right there. He's close too. <laughs> Those are the guys I think of. Um, yeah, it's close. I, this, the group they have now, like on the field playing, there's going to be a lot of guys are going to be debating about (laughs) what 20 years from now, right? How many, like, I mean, you could think, I mean, does Eric belong on the wall? Eric Wood has a case to be on the wall of fame. He absolutely does because he has a lot of it. He has the longevity. He has the fact that he played for the Buffalo bills and he was also very successful at his position. And years later, he is still involved in the organization in a very big right. way. So you could absolutely make that argument. I think he has an incredibly strong argument to be made, especially as time continues to move along here. But Sal, it might be called like Josh Allen Stadium at Stefan Diggs Field <laughs> by the time these guys are done playing. All right, let's take a look if we can grab another one here. This is from GWB. With the addition of receiver Tavon Austin, I'm reading this because this happened just a couple of days ago. How does this move resonate within the wide receiver room? Competition or addressing a needed skill like a, like a punt returner or a gadget player? How do you see the Tavon Austin signing? I see the Tavon Austin signing as let's add a guy who has been there, done that. And if he pleasantly surprises us in camp and has a really strong offseason, then maybe he carves out a role and makes the team. But I do not think the Bills going out to sign Tavon Austin means like, oh, that guy's definitely on the 53-man roster at the end of training camp. Like, I I just don't see that. I think that you would still say like, okay, Stefan Diggs, no-brainer. Gabriel Davis, no-brainer. Khalil Shakir is going to make the team based off of where he was drafted. Jameson Crowder is probably going to make the team. And I know they didn't give Isaiah McKenzie a ton of money, but they still did give him a contract. And for a lot of reasons, I think that guy's on the team. Right there, you've got five guys. We talked about Kumaro earlier in the podcast. You still have Isaiah Hodgins. You have Marquez Stevenson. Like now you're at eight guys, throw him in at nine. I think of the last four, I said one or two makes the team. So if they don't think Stevenson is going to be ready to be a full-time returner, then maybe that means they try and stash him on the practice squad and Tavon Austin makes the team. But I would not say that by any means it's like a lock or anything like that. I feel like it kind of is direct competition for Stevenson and because he, he does have the same skill set for sure. Um, Jake Kumaro to me is 
I'm not saying complete lock, but he's pretty safe because of the, he plays all special teams. He's kind of like a Taiwan Jones. He just plays wide receiver. He does a lot of different stuff. So yeah, it's very, uh, it's going to be really interesting. So let's set it up for um, what's coming up here. We got uh, mini camp coming up for three straight days. And I think the biggest thing I'm going to be watching for, and I think Bill's fans are going to be looking for is Jordan Poyer there. I think that's really what it comes down to beyond that. Once we get beyond is Jordan Poyer there. Um, I think people might be interested in how the rookies look like Kyer Elam, James Cook. For me, that's going to be probably the things that I'm looking for the most. What's maybe something you're going to be looking at the most. I'm really interested in the running back position because mm-hmm. of the bodies that they have there. And I'm just curious to see how it all plays out because I think Devin Singletary at the end of last year was a nice piece. And I thought that he got better as the year went along. They drafted James Cook and they're very excited. Like the front office is very excited about the James Cook pick. And I think he gives them something that they haven't had. But then we get to the other guys like Taiwan Jones is a special teams stud. He's going to probably be on the team. So then it comes down to is Zach Moss on the team, even though he really doesn't play special teams. Oh, by the way, they added Duke Johnson. Like I keep forgetting getting that Duke Johnson is on the bills right now. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. And maybe we only get a little taste of it during minicamp, but then once we finally do get to training camp, I'm curious kind of how they split that up because there's not a whole lot of touches that go on in that backfield. And I'm not sure what the division is going to be. Yeah. And I don't think we can forget about the punting battle, right? And the holding battle. Isn't that going to be something we're all going to be dialed in on Matt? Oh, absolutely. Well, we're going to have everybody's going to be sitting there with their stopwatch out right away. And then I'm going to probably be trying to take videos of it. And I got to say, it's kind of hard to follow the ball as high as it goes when it's Ariza kicking it. So it'll be something that's fun to watch. And it'll be something that I'm sure people are going to be very into. And of course, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore Bove. You can see him on Channel 7 in Buffalo, WKBW TV, Sal Sports on Twitter for me. It's always game day in Buffalo. We want to thank all of our new listeners and subscribers. We're hearing from new people all the time, Matt. I know that um, you know people keep coming up to me and telling me. I even had a couple of people at the golf tournament say, hey, I listened to your podcast for the first time. So that's pretty cool. And you know we're really appreciative of that. And of course, Jim Stallianu, our uh, producer who does a great job. Absolutely. Well, it's funny you said that because I'm actually heading to Michigan this weekend for my colleague Jenna Caleri's wedding. There you and go. I'm driving with my wife, my mom, and my dad. It's a six and a half hour drive. And I told them that we're going to just listen to six episodes. We're just going to listen to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo on a repeat six times. So, you know, they're, so they're going to get forced to listen to it. We do have a couple questions from people. I want to just explain the technicalities of it um, so everybody knows that, that we're transparent about this. When you do subscribe, um, it downloads the whole episode and then it downloads also, in addition to that, the, the separate segments. We have three segments per show, basically. And it's just the way that Odyssey does all of their podcasts across all platforms. Um, it's, not, it's not our decision, but it's also, you know, I know that if you look, you might be doubling up and go, wait a minute, I just listened to that. All you got to do is delete one if you don't want it. But it's also a great reference, Matt. If you heard something you want to listen to, you can go right back to that segment instead of scrolling through the whole show. Yeah, I I kind of like it from other podcasts that Odyssey does that I can like kind yep. of say, uh, I'm getting very specific here, but it takes me about 15 minutes to cut my front lawn, but it takes <laughs> me about an hour to cut my backyard. So go. I can kind of do one segment on the front yard and then I'll like go inside, I'll get something to drink and then I'll go to the back and then I'll listen to the other two. So it's a nice way of like breaking it up kind of perfect timing wise without having to like sit there and scroll through and everything. So a very specific reason to my lawn, but it also kind of works. It's always game day in Buffalo. Check it out. We are on all podcast platforms. And of course, through Odyssey and the Odyssey app. And of course you can find that at WGR 550.com. I'm Sal from WGR. 
for Matt Bove of Channel 7. Until the next time, folks, thanks for tuning in. And if you have any questions, just give, send us a uh, tweet and hashtag always bills. You like that, Matt? That's what I thought of myself. I didn't even ask you. I just did it. I should have asked you. Always bills. That a good way for it? Let's go with it then. All right. Hashtag always bills if you have any questions for the next episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.